Hey, I'm Blake Francis. I'm a millennial and I've never listened to a podcast in my life. So the only comical thing to do is to create a series of audio goodness where I have a yarn to some interesting people I've met in my time. And the challenge is I'm rallying my co-hosts using only the mate's currency, a slab of beverages. Strap yourselves in because who knows where this could go. It's Best Mates with Blake. Yeah, g'day. It's Blake Francis here for another episode of Best Mates with Blake. And I am super excited about this one. Uh, This episode, we kind of delve into a little bit of reality TV. Uh, We're going back a while and we're going to talk about today's reality TV as well with my next co-host, Benjamin Norris, radio personality, reality TV enthusiast, podcaster, Mate, you can probably add a few other things to that if you want to, but uh, welcome. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. It is weird, though, because the I can't really classify myself, and I've been doing sort of regular entertainment segments on morning breakfast shows, and they really struggle to sort of introduce me because, you know, f- the reality is, you know, speaking of reality television, that I only really have small amounts of notoriety in small fields. So, like, if you watched that series of Big Brother, people might remember me from that. And then if you didn't, you'd have probably no chance of knowing me at all. However, you know, I've been able to do other things since Big Brother to make some money. And, again, it comes down to small amounts of notoriety as to who would actually know me from that. So, it's basically... I'm basically no one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got to be someone for me to ask you to come on one of these episodes. But like you said, though, if if people growing up now don't know the name Benjamin Norris, I like to focus on sometimes with the people that I get onto this podcast as well. They might not know the name, but they remember moments of their childhood or a memory that was really uh, poignant at the time. And so that's what you go back and mention Big Brother and winning and proposing. And people be like, oh my God, yeah, I remember that guy. That's awesome. Do you get that? <laughs> A lot. Do you do you like being known for just those little bits of time? Oh, look, I think you'd be silly if you walked away saying that, you know, you're embarrassed about being recognised from something like Big Brother because the reality is I wanted to get onto that show so desperately and I got on and I won. And so that's really quite amazing. Yeah, you do get recognised, you know, every couple of days. I always say to people when you do those reality shows, it's less and less every day. But then I didn't realise that you then get recognized consistently throughout the rest of your life where people think they've been to high school with you or they go, do you work at my price line? Or, you know, (laughs) they can't exactly remember where you fit into the zeitgeist for them, but you then say, oh, I was on a reality show. And then you can see it all sort of dawning on them. The other fun one is when they come up to you on the street and they genuinely believe that they're friends with you in their past somehow And they get into the conversation and they're like a good one minute in telling you some really personal information about themselves. And you have to say, I'm sorry, I don't know who you are. And then that all flashes back and they go, hang on a sec, I've I've never met you before in my life. I've only watched you on television. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was uh, a while back. It was Series 9 for Big Brother in uh, 2012. Is that when you say it stays with you, are you still getting recognized for Big Brother even today in in general public or anything you do? Yeah, you do. I mean, it's as I said, it sort of is less and less. So it's not something that, you know, I'm not walking down the street like the Beatles with people coming up to you. And you know what's really interesting about reality television as well is the type of people that go on these shows 
they really want that recognition. And the one thing I find that's really embarrassing is meeting other people from reality shows and they'll be like, oh God, isn't it stressful? You know, all these people wanting to know about your life. And and I feel like if you go on a reality show and you want to be a Kardashian, you can be a Kardashian, but it's only really inside your own head. So for those people out there that want to wander the streets and pretend that they're being really famous, good on them. Go to those bars that you might get recognised for that. Melbourne's a good one. If you want to go to Morris Jones after being on a reality show, everyone will be able to recognise you from the show that you're on. But it's all very wanky. And it is... And you can lean into it and you can lean out of it. And absolutely, I'm not going to take away and rewrite history and say that I didn't lean into it at certain points and enjoy the idea of people recognising me. But I'm 40 now. I'm a little less interested in that. And... It's kind of also the other side of it is that I got to the point where I wanted to be good at something. You know, just being picked to be on a reality show and winning it has a lot more to do with luck than to do with a genuine talent or something that I could be proud of. And since then, you you know those reality TV people that are chasing fame and then you know those ones that are trying to cultivate a career. And I hope that people know that since that show... You know, working in radio, I had a number one breakfast show in regional radio, which is amazing. But I put so much energy into it. And it was also really hard because you get those jobs and then your co-host has an expectation of who you are and you've already got an audience base that might have an expectation. And a lot of people poo-poo reality TV stars in our industry. So it's almost as though it's a negative. You know, you're almost working twice as hard to prove your worth because everybody's already labelled you as the guy from Big Brother. Yeah, of course. And I think uh, in today's society with the insurgence of social media um, and the purpose of why people go on there, what was your purpose going on reality TV show back then in 2012? Because it'd be very different, I'm assuming, to today. Yeah, look... I mean, I watched Big Brother in 2002, 2001, 2002, when it launched like a lot of Australia. And it was a great show. But I was that person. I mean, and we know each other outside of doing this podcast today. And so you would probably have a fairly good idea on my personality. And that is that I probably my whole life was told that there was something a bit unusual about me. And, you know, oh, you'd be great in radio. You'd be great on television. And... I really wasn't talented enough to pursue the craft in any other capacity than be able to apply for a reality show. And that probably says a lot to do with my own self-confidence. And I was like, the only show I can do would be Big Brother because I can't cook, I can't dance, and I can't do all these other things. (laughs) And I thought that's the best shot I can do to being able to propel myself in a way. And I probably did fall down that path of, you know, go down that path of saying, oh, go on reality television, I could be Chrissy Swan or Fitzy or, you know, probably did fall down that path and think that's going to happen for me. But it really isn't. And I can tell you, there isn't a week that goes by where I don't get contacted by someone in the media asking for help on how they can get onto these shows. And I'm very clear straight off the bat. And I'm like, look, this is not going to be a very good thing for your career. You know, keep doing what you're doing now. And now, you know, the the landscape of media is changing and I get a lot of TikTok people coming, you know, TikTok content creators yes. coming and saying, oh, if I can get onto Big Brother this year or if I can do Married at First Sight, then I'm going to become this person. But it's a very empty vessel if you're going yeah. to go on these shows because you're only really as relevant in that audience as 
that show is on television. And then once that yep. show comes off television, even if you are creating content that's amazing, you're still always being slapped with this label that sort of messes the, muddies the water a little bit as to what I think these yeah. people need to do. So what I'm saying to young people at the moment, or for anyone who is wanting to go on reality television to expand their media career, I say keep making your own content at home. You know, create those content videos on TikTok. You're probably going to get more people watching you on TikTok these days than you're probably going to get on free-to-air television. Do you think that uh, when you say you give your advice to the people wanting a media career, how far or what do you think the balance is between... And can you identify when someone is being genuine by wanting to go on these for a media career or whether they specifically want to go on and they're just telling you kind of hollow lies and the real purpose is to get famous, you know, if you want to label it that. Like, can you actually tell and is there a, a, a balance in that? I can tell straight away, by the way, most of the people that will hit me up or is on social media. So I'm reading them as messages, but you get a very good sense as to why these people want to be on the show straight away with the way in which they are talking about their application for the show. You know, if you're right. the, the hard marriage between wanting to be on television and being good on television is very broken because these days, the type of people that want to go on those shows are looking for validation and redemption for the person that I think has a few issues deep inside and they don't actually mm. transcend and make a good reality TV contestant. The ones that are always the best in my mind are like the fish and chip shop owner, like Reggie Bird. You know, she just <laughs> so authentically herself and has no ambition whatsoever to be chasing fame. You know, even if you look yes. then at other people like Chrissy Swan and Fitzy, my theory behind reality television is this, and that is that you will always end up exactly where you were going before you went on that show. So if you were a hairdresser before you did Married at First Sight, you will be a hairdresser again. Now with Chrissy Swan and Fitzy, they both genuinely are some of the best radio talent I've ever heard. And I genuinely Agreed. believe they would have ended up there anyway. Fitzy having his yeah. radio career, Chrissy Swan, she was already quite connected to people that I think would have pushed her into radio. And they just genuinely yeah. work. You can't go on a reality show and have that shape you into those sorts of people. You will always be the weirdo and that's okay. Uh, before you did the show, it's not gonna, it's not gonna cultivate you into anything that you're not. So, I think the biggest lesson out of that, to put it very shortly, is you've just got to be yourself and continue as yourself because you're either, I don't know, if when you're talking reality TV producers or TV producers in general, what they want to identify is that, like you said, the uh, authentic, genuine people that they can probably see something in to to you know then hone and craft as the tv show goes on um but essentially you if you're going to be fake you're going to see straight through it so i i don't know if well the audience will <laughs> when you look at like well that's the problem yeah the audience the will, audience percent the so ultimate I don't know. judge i mean you can you can go on these shows and this is what happens through the audition process when producers are casting them is quite often you find these people who are these big personalities you know i'll take my sh i'll take my clothes off at the shopping center or, or you know they want to do these outrageous stunts to try and have people believe they are the biggest personality in the room but Usually the biggest personality in the room isn't the loudest. You know, normally the yes. most interesting people we know 
are not the loudest. And yeah. that's the television magic of if you're going to sit there on free-to-air television and it's becoming less and less, you've got to mm. genuinely connect with these people. There's got to be something really interesting and tasty about you wanting to watch free-to-air television at a night time, you know, to sit there at 7.30 yeah. at night and or 8.30 at night and watch these shows. You know, you have to really be engaged because otherwise most of the time people's lives are a little bit more interesting than what we're seeing on television these days. <laughs> That's true. I would say uh, you're an exception as well because you said sometimes the people that get the most notice aren't the loudest. Now, I, like, like you said, I know you outside. <laughs> I know you are very... Uh, <laughs> loud just put it yeah. simply you're a very loud personality and you are noticing you when you walk into a room or whatever it may be um, your presence is definitely known and I'll say 100% <laughs> you are a very genuine guy so whilst I say uh, that's probably a contradictory example to what you just said at the same time that is you yeah. so it just takes it back to uh, that is your authentic self that is who you are you are a loud <laughs> bubbly personality out there mm -hmm. and so on that did you purely go in thinking i need to be myself or were you uh, like 100 percent aware that there was a thousand cameras watching you did you ever play up to them a little oh, bit yeah. just to like yeah. maybe get over yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely i think you know it's it's a very difficult relationship you have with the outside public on a show in any show i don't think it's just big brother and that is that you're we always have that little person inside our head talking to us you know being like oh you should do this or you shouldn't do that or i shouldn't have said this you know you've always got that little director happening inside your head for me on that show that's what i had but it can't last you will only ever be the person that you truly are anyway and i saw it on my show the first three weeks i was there i just saw people just they, they were turned up. These people were turned up and they couldn't maintain yeah. that long term. And then I saw a real shift yeah. after three weeks of everyone sort of resetting back into who they really were on the outside. And that's when I usually start to watch these types of shows. I normally don't like a lot of reality shows right at the start. And it is because I can't watch those attention seekers being too loud. It's when you start to be yeah. able to interested in the personalities and see the social experiments, whether it's them getting married or even when they're singing on these shows, all reality TV for me seems like white noise until we can get to the actual topic that they're covering. And that's when I invest. That's when I click in. And I think for me on the show as well, I, I, I was, the interesting thing I think about me having a big loud personality and Blake, we're friends, so we can talk about this. No one's listening, but, um, yeah. It really is that the louder I am is usually the, when I'm the most insecure. So yes, that is myself. And I am quite an insecure person, which people don't realize because I'm so loud. My mum used to say to me at school, you know, they wouldn't pick on you as much if you just shut up, you know, like, but the more insecure <laughs> that I get, the louder I get. So the more likely that I'm yeah. going to fill the room with a lot of noise. And you and I, we met mm. through doing, uh, we were like test it you know, crash test dummies for I'm a Celebrity in the UK where we had to try out all mm. the challenges. But ultimately we were there for a week or uh, I don't remember how long we were there for, but we had to live together in the con yeah. confines of the, the, the way in which the public knows I'm a celebrity. And that was mm. really stressful for me. And most of those people, including yourself, probably oh, really? wouldn't know that that's me put, being put into that stressful situation. But that's when I'm my yeah. most loud. 
and you probably would have been like, this guy just never shuts up. <laughs> and unfortunately for me, that is it, that is when I'm insecure. That is probably, uh, it's the worst thing in the world. Just add water, you know, for me. If you want to see me yeah. go and be the loudest person in the room, it's when I'm the most insecure. I don't, I don't think that that's... Um too far from the truth for a lot of people well i think that's the magic um, you know well i think that's the magic though is mm. us seeing ourselves on screen and that's when we can relate the most and i think whatever has happened to me in my life has some strange nuances which means that people can read and relate to things that i'm going through uh and i think really connect with people it's interesting i read this article once on meryl streep and she said that she studied um the everyday people, what we look like in the everyday moment. And that stayed with me because because I'm so expressive, I think, in lots of ways. I think I'm expressing something of the everyday moment to some other people and maybe that's the connect, like that's how they're relating to me. But ultimately, television, you want to see people that you can relate to. It's uh, You touched on it earlier and I don't think – I don't think – majority of people would know i know i've told a few people and that was our experience uh with a reality tv show i'm a celebrity get me out of here uh this was going back what is it now i reckon like five six years something like that and which is crazy well i've been in melbourne five and a half years and i did it before i moved here so what ben and i did for anyone listening we were the set test contestants um for i'm a celebrity get me out of here the uk version now we had to audition to be one of these set contestants um and what happens was we got thrust into the jungle for i know i came now i came in as an intruder so yourself and maybe like seven or eight other people were there a day or two before me so i think you guys might have been in there for about five days and i came in for three or four days um but what we had to do was a complete dress tech um challenge rehearsal and it was i don't know about your experience i had (laughs) so much fun like i just completely took it as like no one gets to do this i get to do some challenges from i'm a celebrity get me out of here um do you share the same opinion as me (laughs) (laughs) yeah look i think i I look at more to do with who and what was going on in my real life at that time i think i was really at the height of chasing um, my next move and I was probably a little bit more stressed in that environment at that time where I think if I'd gone and done that experience now it would have felt like summer camp and it would have probably been a little bit more uh, enjoyable but I think yeah um, yeah I I must say like I walked out of that experience and I did meet some amazing people I thought that you and Alison and uh mm. So many. It would be rude then to now single people out, but I can. Alison Plath works in radio now, and, and she's an amazing talent. Yep. Um, and there was just so many others that I just really enjoyed getting to know. And I guess we get the privilege of now knowing. Well, I guess we get the insight now knowing what those people are genuinely going through on our TV because yep. we were starving and. Yeah. We were genuinely going through all of those. I mean, I think I sexually harassed you the whole time because, <laughs> you know, you're a very attractive looking man. And I probably, I think I lent into the joke of just being like, okay, you know, Blake's the hottest man alive. And 
I'm pretty sure you've still got the DVDs because I've still got them. And there's yeah. one little segment where it's just a whole montage of me frothing over you, <laughs> uh, which uh, just is so embarrassing. I'm so so glad that I'm bringing it up right now. But you know, it was it was a re- it was really fun. I, c- I guess I probably should try and remember it for the fun elements of it. I also did a lot of the challenges, and yeah. I now know from doing a lot of the challenges where your heart rate goes. You know, when we're watching Tony Perrin at home and she's climbing on these things, you think, oh my God, that looks really stressful. But there is a real calm down after doing those challenges that I felt was happening for me in real time doing that show. And I, as I said, I did a lot of them. So they yeah. kept picking me to do them. And I, I guess it was because I was going to scream the loudest and they wanted that kind of reactionary content you know, to see what, what level people were going to go to. But yeah, it was, I remember I left that experience swearing a lot. Like I've not a big swearer in real life. Like as I'd never really been, my partner picked me up and he was like, I was smoking and drinking and swearing. And my partner was like, who are you? What, He's like, what I don't happened in there? <laughs> he was like, you've gone in there as a normal person. You've come out as a pirate. He was like, you <laughs> swearing. I was using the F word, the C word. I'd bought a packet of cigarettes and I was drinking Jim Beams and I was at a pub. I don't know. I can't remember if you were there for that pub experience, but I just was, yeah, I just was, I I turned into someone that I really wasn't. And it took about a week to sort of come out of it. And if you remember Sky, who was producing that series, she said to us, she said, tell your partners, tell your friends that you've been through a fairly out of this world experience and it's going to take you a little bit of time to readjust back into normal life. And I will tell you, it was a harder experience getting back into your normal life from just doing that experience over a week than it was for me doing four months of Big Brother. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's a big call as well. Um, probably I, in I, different ways. Like that probably sounds really extreme, but probably in really different ways. Like I just felt like that jungle experience was really extreme. Where with Big Brother, there was probably different things about fitting back into the real world, more to do with, you know, your sudden found notoriety. But uh, ultimately, as sort of re-assimilating back into the way in which we live in our normal lives, yeah, that was a hard experience to get over. I think there was there was a couple of things for me that was a real shock, I think. So they properly fed us beans and all the weird wacky foods whilst we were in there for three to five days that is no joke we had to eat it i remember when i rocked up into camp there was crocodile feet coming out of the (laughs) pot on the fire and i was that was the moment where i'm like oh this is this is pretty damn serious um they're testing everything um and so that like you said we were starving you had to go and yes you did do a lot of challenges you had to go away and do it and earn the stars as you have to for the food and if you didn't like they would in the celebrity version you didn't get crocodile feet or wallaby or something we had to eat rice and beans and that was it was all very true and there was a second moment where I was like this is real because we had microphones it was a proper tech <laughs> rehearsals as well like the cameras and everything and I remember coming in as a intruder. I had to sleep for a while on the ground near the fire. I didn't have one of the hammocks that you guys did. And one point I was mucking around. I wanted to like play a stupid little prank on someone. So I was picking up big heavy rocks to put them in their bag. And as I picked up one of the rocks, 
there was a red belly black snake curled up under one of the rocks and i genuinely was like oh shit that's a that's a proper snake and i i actually picked up my mic and i said oh hey guys just just wanted to let you know there's a there's a snake uh, about three feet away from where my head sleeps at night um does someone want to come get it and no one came and got it like that was the moment where i'm like oh no we're we're in here for real we are we are cut off um from the rest of the world and even the producers can't save us right now and then it's funny what you said assimilating back into the real world and i will i swear hand on heart my um partner maddie can absolutely vouch for this because she's almost experiences it worse than me is i actually have i think a very mild form very very mild form of ptsd from one of the challenges i did so i don't know if you remember we had to go into the tombs it was called the terror tombs (laughs) and three of us got chosen to go into these tombs and you had to spend half an hour in there and at some point critters of some sort will be dropped on top of you and might i add this was only a tomb that was like you know a, I don't know, a couple of feet wide like it was, it a, was a grave it was yes <laughs> they was buried us alive <laughs> they buried us alive and it was pitch black it was basically <clears throat> if you're scared of the dark if you're claustrophobic and you don't like critters it was not for you and so i went in there as snakes and spent the half hour and once the half hour was over they dropped a key in the dark in the snakes you had to find the key and try and get out that was the premise of the challenge i did it and at the time completely fine no problem doing it Still to this day, nearly six, seven years, whatever it might be after, I have nightmares at least twice or three times a week where I think there are critters in my bed. And I'm not bullshitting you. Maddie has actually asked if I can go get some sort of help, (laughs) hypnotism, (laughs) therapy, whatever. It was, it's shocking. And I honestly think it is, that's what I can trace it back to. And it was a, it's kind of scary this is the thing you give me a snake you give me a spider i'll hold it in my hand i'll do whatever but somewhere in my deep conscious of my brain it did not go well with me and i'm still reaping the uh the 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 bad stuff from it today did you have any experiences like that from any of the challenges you did oh there were so many of them that left me probably with long-term uh, mental scarring, but not in a bad way. Not, I mean, I I don't have that. I haven't had that experience at all. Like I've not, you know, been struggling with it at all. But I just thought some mm. of them were very out of this world, like things that you just normally wouldn't do. And I think that I I did that same challenge with you, but I had rats come in, and the rats came in and ate all the hair off. My, I'm not a very hairy person, but yeah, they ate the hair Thanks. out of my nostrils, which I'm glad is gone now. Thank you. Um and. They ate all the hair off my arms. Like, it was just such a weird experience. And a big mother rat sat on my chest. And because it's so dark in there, like, you really had next to no light. I just could feel the weight of this big rat. And it was was like, it was talking to me. I could hear it going. And I was like, this has got to stop. So I did what anyone normally would do. And I sung Kylie Minogue's Can't Get You Out of My Head uh, inside that box for the entire half an hour. And uh, and I can't get that experience out of my head now, which is, you know, no. ironic. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very ironic. Uh, but look, years on, we're here bonding over our mental uh, <laughs> mental disorders over this, uh, what we say is a fun experience. So um, it's very d- contrasting. Well, look, I, as I said, when we started talking about this, I thought you were fantastic. It's not surprising 
to me that you're doing this sort of work because, yeah, you're one of the people in there that I just thought had the X factor of, uh, of you know, something people want to watch. You just, you're just for some reason someone when you're talking to you want to listen to and when you're interacting with people, I think that you've got some kind of an X factor. So, yeah, I think they managed oh, to you, cast man. all really... of those people in there pretty well considering that we're all basically nobodies that just got shoved in yes. there and... And forced to do Absolutely. some unspeakable things. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I really appreciate you saying that. I have something to play with you, mate. It's just a really uh, quick, fun segment that I do with all the co-hosts. It's called the Best Mates Quiz. Okay. Best Mates Quiz. Best Mates Quiz. Yeah. Now, it's a, a quick 10-question uh, quiz um, of this or that. Basically, a would you rather. And it just finds out a bit more about you and also... How compatible, based off my answers to these questions as well, how compatible of best mates we really are. So, the best mates quiz with Ben Norris. Bachelor or maths? Bachelor. Mm, Okay, okay. Very good. Any reason behind that? Like prefer just watching multiple men or multiple women go for one? Yeah. Uh, Look, I think The Bachelor, I like certain things about that show. I love the walk-up. I like the watching the girls or the boys meet them on that first moment. I love first impressions, so I find that yeah. to be really fascinating. We have gone too far down the same, same route of actually just telling the same story every season. We've now fallen into yeah. this path of that's the villain, that's this person, and then we genuinely see them mm. unfold the exact same storylines. Different people, different scenarios, Exactly the same story. So The Bachelor for me has lost me a little bit. Also, I think they jumped the shark with having Sophie Monk in there. It was a great season. I love Sophie. I literally could watch her read, you know, like do my washing. Like she's just, she's just mad, 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 Sophie. Love her to death. But then after that, it was, it was a real struggle for me to sort of connect to the everyday person that we were seeing in there. So the last few contestants I've seen in there, I, I haven't really clicked or related to them. So the Bachelor yeah. has gone a little bit away, but Married at First Sight for me, every year I try and watch it and I don't know, there's something wrong with me, but I, I actually don't enjoy the people that get cast on that show. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. It's uh, personal opinion as well. It's not going to please everyone. No. Um, what's worse, laundry or dishes? Oh, Dishes. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same, 100%. I'm happy to actually do washing. I don't mind it. Dishes and unpacking a dishwasher, oh, that's the worst. Blake, that is the worst. doing the washing is just shoving things in a hole. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're familiar with that. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying that is an easy, easy thing to do. Doing the dishes is a nightmare because you get those little weird things that are stuck on it and the next thing you know, you're having to scrape the plate and do all of that sort of stuff. So... Interestingly enough, though, I'm not really allowed to do anything in my home. I've been with my partner now for 11 years and I can't do anything yep. right. So over time, I've been banished from areas of the house. So I don't do a goddamn thing anymore. I can't cook. I can't clean. So I basically, when people come over to our place for dinner, I'm in charge of being the person who sits there in the lounge room and talks to them. And Ben yes. prepares the food and does all the others. And that's because he doesn't want me to do anything because he's a control freak. He's like, get out. And I'm like, look, mate. I don't see that as a widely bad thing. I'm loving like, it. You don't have to. No, I'm yeah. loving it. I'm not going to change that rule. Uh, and I'm not going to say that I purposefully shrunk his jumper. And that was the reason why I got banned from doing the washing. Because I actually <laughs> didn't. But it worked out in my favor. 
<laughs> yeah, great, great. And take it and run. Let's just keep that going. Absolutely. Um, potential. So, well, let's just say uh, partner or think back to when you're single for a potential partner. <clears throat> do you need perfect teeth or perfect hair? Oh, perfect teeth. Yeah, yeah. Well, 100%. So you, could get, you could get by with like a, a mullet going on as long as they got good teeth. Yeah. Very good. Very. I would, I would tend to agree with you on that one. Um, Arctic or the desert? Ooh, I'd go the desert, to be desert, honest with you. Like the hot yeah. climate instead of cold. I did breakfast radio in central Queensland, so um, uh, yes. I got used to the heat. Theme park or water park? I like a theme park. I, I love water okay. and I love swimming and all the rest of it. And I love a good water slide, but I also love roller coasters. I think it comes down to being a kid, which was... I was so scared of everything as a kid and my mum used to tell me to push against the fear and she'd be like, if you're scared of something, you know, you've got to be courageous and go and do it. And there's something yeah. about going to a theme park and being scared of those rides and then uh, and surviving it, you know. No, that's uh, that's good. I like Are that. Are you my therapist? Um, Why am I telling you all of this? Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, produce a reality show or star in one? Oh... Look, I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to star in one. I think that would just be a massive yeah. lie if I was saying that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I'd i love to produce these shows. I'd love to get a job doing that. And, and I've been doing this podcast in the moment, TV Reload, where I'm talking to people who make reality television and it makes you want to do it. Like it makes you go, oh, I'd love to be the person pulling the strings and setting up the obstacles for these people to jump through. I think that sounds fascinating. Yeah. But look, the true narcissist that's inside of me that I could try and push <laughs> away, no, I'd, I'd probably always want to do the show. Yeah, go for the star. Why not? Um, cups in the cupboard, right side up or upside down? Oh, up, up the right way. So... Yes. Up this way. Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm actually really weird. Yeah, you know that girl from Signs? Do you know the movie with Mel Gibson where there's the aliens? Yeah. She has a phobia of drinks of water. I have the exact same phobia and everyone I've ever lived with in my life actually hates me. But if I've got a drink and I put it down and I will not drink out of that same cup again, I have a real phobia of what's happened to my drink. Oh. So I... It's and it also really annoys people with beers at parties because like if I'm at a house party, if I put that beer down, I will not go oh, back wow. to it. So I used to throw these wild house parties at my own place and the next day I'd go around and I knew which beer it was because I only drink another story, but um I knew that all the no one else would drink V B, so I knew all these three quarter drunk beers throughout the whole house were mine, and that's because of this weird phobia. So I wouldn't put the cup upside down because I would think that the the rim of the the cup is on a dirty surface. Yes, that's that is the reasoning why I would do it upside down. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Coke, hands down. Hate Pepsi. Oh, um, nothing okay. better than a. I love co uh, co Coke in the glass in a glass bottle is the best. Oh yes. I don't know why it tastes better in the glass bottle, but it is so phenomenal. But yes. any Coke, when you're out and especially if you've got a hangover, full of ice, phenomenal. Bert or Ernie? Oh, uh, <laughs> to be uh, honest, I, did, I didn't think that this this would warrant a really big um, <laughs> thinking time, this one. It shouldn't. It really shouldn't. But uh, as a kid, I had a Burt doll um, because my brother and I are both similar in age. So we were both given a Burt and an Ernie doll. So I loved Burt. And so well, I think for some reason as well, 
Yeah, most people would think I'm an Ernie person, but I'm I'm actually a Bert person. I'm not the grumpy person. No, it's weird. It's such a strange question, but that's why these sort of quizzes are really fascinating with people because you find out a little bit of more interesting things behind them. But yeah, you're absolutely right when you said this is the longest I've ever heard waited for someone to just give me an answer on Bert and Ernie. Who knew? Very passionate about Sesame Street. Yeah, hey, uh, there's no uh, <laughs> no no uh, qualms here. I, it's a great question. That's why I put it in there, and I'm thankful for your answer when it eventually came. Um, truth or dare to be the last question? Uh, truth. Truth, gotcha. Did you used to think? play play much when you were when you were a kid in the teens? Yeah, I did, and I probably used to always pick dare, but then I had to then run around a snow cabin once with no clothes on, and it was really that's not a kind experience for any man at the best of time, you know, to run around in the freezing cold with no clothes on. Great. So uh, I've been traumatized for life. Great. Yeah, take great. the truth. No, I actually love truth. I love the truths with people. I love that's that's my. One thing in this world, and it's probably why I love interviewing people, is I'm always looking for people's truth. And I always love that thing, you know, when you're sitting there and you're talking to someone and they give you that tasty morsel that you know is very truthful and personal to them. I'm like um, R2-D2 from Star Wars. I sort of rock back and forward when people start to tell me their <laughs> appalling secrets. When they start to tell you the truth, I'm like, yes, this is how it. do you do that? Yep. Yeah. There, there you go. Great impersonation. Um, well, there you go. That's the that's the ten questions for that. I've got one more thing to touch on uh, before we wrap it up. Um, I, as you would as well, uh, liking to interview other people. You do your research. You find out what you can about the person to obviously craft yeah. a great interview. Now, um, I like to go to a very dark part of the web. Uh, to find out some interesting things about my co-hosts. I like to go to page two of Google. Page two of Google. Um, and so I typed in your name, ben- Benjamin Norris, into Google and I went to that oh second O and I searched the headlines or the suggestions that Google feeds me. And now it leads us to basically what you're doing now. The headline was Benjamin Norris quits popular podcast TV Black Box and it basically says that you're moving into your new venture, which is a podcast called TV Reload. Um, What it says here, aims to take listeners behind the scenes of some of the country's biggest reality TV shows and feature exclusive interviews with big-name executive producers. Uh, This has got to be juicy. I know I saw some of the episodes you've done so far. You've got some really cool people on there, Some, some obviously stars in front of the camera for the reality TV. But then also some other ones behind the scenes, like casting directors. You got you got the CEO of uh, ITV Studios, David Mott, on there for a chat. Like that is huge. Yeah, I think it's crazy to be honest with you. I'll tell you that uh, it didn't plan itself out this way. That it, this podcast was going to happen. I was uh, I'd agreed to doing another year of the Ben Robin Robbo show and more of TV Black Box, and uh, it was just this really strange run of events that pushed me into going out on my own. And it was one of the best things that ever happened to me because I had never had the faith to do it. And I didn't think anyone would want to be on the podcast. You know, I thought, you know, people had said to me, you should go out on your own because uh, they thought I could. And uh, it was Alex Mavrodakis that called me and he had produced my series of Big Brother. And we had a conversation. I agreed to doing an interview with him. And there were some requirements about that interview and and that was to really go out on my own. 
and uh, you know, I got forced out in that way, and then it snowballed. I have actually woke up. I had the tamest New Year's Eve I've ever had in my life. <laughs> I literally was in bed at one o'clock, uh, and I'd recorded this podcast, you know, a few weeks prior, and it was just sitting there. Anyway, I'd edited it up. I sent it off to a few uh, people who were distributing podcasts. And everyone wanted to buy it. Everyone who I sent it to said, yep, I want it. I want to do this show. But I only had the one in the can. I then was so stressed as to who would be on this podcast in the following weeks. And now I have 15 people in the can because I'm now getting people asking me to do it. And I think I think it's just been one of those really strange things that happens in your life where it's meant to be. And yeah, it's getting a lot of getting a lot of attention in the media. And I think it's the right time, right place, you know, to be able to go out on my own and, and, and interview people and find out the truth behind these, these bizarre jobs. Because I think there is a thirst for the knowledge of how these reality shows get made. I think it's, it's got to that point now where, you know, we're starting to question the, the reasons why people go on these shows or the reasons why producers cast them. And I think it's fascinating. So how crazy that David Mott did that. I mean, Ben Ulm as well. Mm. Oh, there's just so many of them that have at the top of their game, never yeah. been out of work, continuously making content that everyone wants to watch. And they've given up their time for free to sit there with for an hour and talk to me. Yeah. Um, it's just been a magical experience, really. No really, regrets. No, absolutely not. I'm I'm so happy for you that and and as you describe it, it's obviously meant to be at this point in your career and your life and your journey and it's so like heartwarming to to know that um you know, and I will liken it to I guess what I'm doing now. It's so reassuring to know that the people you've met and the connections you've made uh and networking especially in the media industry is so valuable um now you can never really burn bridges um because people will remember and doing something like you're doing and pulling on some some really great connections and some really great interviews with people uh that's that is the core of your podcast and same as this one i i have the co-host on and find out more about their lives just like i've done with you today and I'm so happy that you feel so wholesome and content with what you're putting out and the people you're getting on. Um, and to, to, I guess, delve into a topic that you have experienced yourself, so reality TV, and to find out the different angles of uh, from the stars to the producers to the casting directors to the different people. It's going to open people's eyes when they listen to TV Reload and uh, it's, people are really going to enjoy it. I, I I would I would love to say that I enjoyed it, but I ha I can't listen to a podcast to do this <laughs> podcast. You know, it is really interesting though that you're doing this because and you haven't listened to other things because you certainly are touching on some really amazing qualities that you can do in a podcast and that is, you know, again, I will say this to everyone without sounding like Oprah, but you know, investigating people's truth. I think we all love to be a fly on the wall. And I think that's the magic of podcast. I think that's the reason why true crime is also really popular at the moment is people love to be a fly on the wall and feel like they're the investigator unpacking a topic in real time with the person telling that story. And then I think when it comes to a podcast like what you're doing, people want to, I mean, we, we lie to ourselves and say that we don't, but we love to sit there at a cafe and listen to two people have a conversation. You know, we love to judge what people are saying and I think that's when the podcast works and 
you're just genuinely having a conversation or unpacking some really simple things, but that's the magic. And interestingly enough, the lesson I learned from last year, which I think is really important, and that is being really truthful and staying true to yourself on a podcast is the, is the magic. And that's going to transcend. And last year I was sort of, you know, gossiping about television or putting information out into, you know, the universe or into the media before it was ready to be out there, like revealing housemates from Big Brother or revealing scandalous things. Yes, you will get attention from that, but that wasn't my truth. It really wasn't who I was. So I wasn't in the right lane. And I feel like now I'm in the right lane because all I'm doing is getting the opportunity to talk to people who are at the top of their game and asking them, you know, for stories that they're willing to tell. Mm, absolutely. And and all the power to you because I just believe you've just got to encourage someone if they find the thing that they want to do or they're passionate about, whatever it may be. You've just got to you've just got to be there. You've got to support, you've got to encourage whether it it might not be someone's thing, but God, you've just got to you've just got to get around people, and I think that's what is really heartwarming and wholesome to me. And it would be to you that, like you said, people say yes, they give their time for free, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm finding with this as well, which actually leads me to my next thing. It's not free. I owe you a slab of drinks for doing this. That's the thank you. So uh, tell me whatever your favorite drink is. I'm going to get a slab to you, mate. Um, I really appreciate you coming on and, and have, having a chat about this. Our experiences together, um, absolutely loved having you on and uh, and chatting all things reality TV and getting a few truths in there, as you said. So I, re- I really appreciate you were like, it. Yes, he said that he likes VB. That's cheap. Great. Lock that down. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, I'll be at a restaurant. No, I literally uh, be at a restaurant and I'm the gayest man alive and they walk along and I'm sitting there. I've got my makeup on. I've got my fancy outfit on, my blouse. And the, the waiter comes along and goes, oh, what would you like? And we'll be like, oh, yeah, we'll get a couple of beers. And I say VB in any restaurant, no matter how fancy it is. And they just look at me like, most of the time they laugh. They go, ha, 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 you're joking. And I'm like, no, no. I grew up in Doncaster, Templestowe. We had to drink VB to fit in or otherwise the boys were going to pick on you and and now it's my favorite beer. Yeah. So Yeah, you've made your decision now. A VB slab coming your way, mate. Uh, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. Check out Ben's uh, podcast, TV Reload. I'm sure you guys will love it. Um, I would love it if I could listen to it. Um, I will listen to it later. But thank you so much, mate. I really appreciate it. And uh, you're a great human. So thank you. No, all the best. All the best. And you're doing so well at this. So keep enjoying it. Keep Keep investigating your truth and other people's truth and I'm sure people continue to listen to catch up on any or all of the best mates with Blake episodes just search best mates with Blake wherever you get your podcasts plus to follow along with highlights of the chats including some clues as to who I might have on the next episodes follow best mates with Blake on Instagram cheers <laughs>